Welcome to the Wealth Radar podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing and personal wealth. I'm Jason Fowler, and I'm joined by my brother Paul. We're certified financial planners from Fowler's Group. And today we're joined by a great mate of ours, a man grey before his time, Jamie McIntosh of Norworld fame. Welcome to Wealth Radar, Jamie. Thanks, boys. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jimmy. First I don't know time. that I've ever called him Jamie in his life. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we we'll stop that. Jimmy from now on, yeah, Jimmy, eh? Jimmy, Jimmy from now. Right Look, now. I guess in a way, we're going to we want to talk about the Norworld journey and the Norworld story, I guess. And in a way, I guess from our perspective, um, especially with your involvement in Norworld, we've we felt we've been a part of it the whole whole way through. To be honest, the rise of Norworld, um, not only because a long term client, but more importantly, a, a, a long term uh, mate. And in fact, I actually feel part of this uh, great Norworld movement. You may remember, mate, from years ago. Um, people will think of Norworld now, you know, the land cruisers, the flash trays um, and canopies. But way back when, when you, you just took over yourself, your first new car was like a little Toyota Hilux Grinner. You remember that? <laughs> and I actually fitted the air conditioning to that <laughs> years ago on the floor at Ogden Street. So I feel part of this whole... Uh, this whole Norworld uh, arise. But look, it's a great story of business ownership. Um, we're going to touch on the early years, um, doing it tough through business, like a lot of business owners working for essentially no financial reward to a point now where there's financial reward, but that comes with a whole lot of other um, stresses, which we'll get to. But I guess the first question we always ask um, everyone, mate, how did you start? How did you end up at Norworld? What, what did you do? How did it all work out? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Paul. Um, that was actually our first company car, that Hilux, wow. which we had for quite a while. <laughs> Don't know if the aircon worked. <laughs> <laughs> story, start, well, story goes back further. I'll, I'll try and keep it short because it is quite lengthy, being yeah, right. 52 years this year that Norwell's been running. So 1971 was started. My uncle Wayne bought it in the 80s. And that's when probably my first association of Norworld started. So uh, school holidays consisted of going to work there to get some extra cash. So odd jobs in the workshop, odd jobs in the office, like putting stickers on coolers and <laughs> stamping invoice books. And then in the workshop, we used to do a lot of punts, so boats, so which we used to make stiffeners and gussets and stuff out in the workshop. Um, so that's where it started as such. Then I went away to uni in Brisbane, started a Bachelor of Business. I came back to Cairns uh, to play footy at the Cyclones. Wayne asked if I could come to work for a couple of weeks. He had to cover someone on holidays and that was it. Never left. So that was wow. in 98. 98, yep. <laughs> and then 2001 uh, was when Stacey and I purchased the business off Wayne, so yep. um, which we're very thankful for. So that's... Yeah, so did he come to you for that or was that – how did that happen? Well, it's a funny story actually. He offered the business to the – there was another guy in the office, yep. uh, Michael, and he actually offered it to him. Yep. And then he declined and then actually ended up leaving, you know, went off, which yep. he's went on to a successful career. So I was sort of uh, second choice. Last man standing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> sort of it. Um, good so, things come to those who wait, mate. <laughs> so in this case, the the – the second choice was worked out all right. Yep. Um, and thankful to Wayne, you know, obviously no bank will give you money to yep. buy yep. a business. So I had to vendor finance, so which um, started us off. 
Yep. And then, yeah. So through those early years when you when you took over from Wayne, the, the Norwood itself was still mainly dealing in, in punts or just doing general aluminium manufacturer? But, what what sort of stuff were you? Yeah, so Norwood before went through a lot of ups and downs. So they did a lot of tourism. So a lot of the pontoons, uh, big boats that you see like Great Adventures, Quicksilver, had, did a lot of that. So mm-hmm. like actually ramped up quite a lot of staff, a lot of work, went, you know, came and gone. Went through some troughs of pilot strikes and different things. And then when, when I took over, it was a general we did a bit of everything so yeah. we did a, the odd custom tray we did boats we did general fabrication fuel repairs, tanks. I forget fuel, fuel tanks. tanks fuel tanks the yes. famous fuel tanks yeah. and just selling materials selling off like yep. pretty much anything aluminium yeah yep. so when yep. we first took over one of us there was six staff and our turnover was about six hundred thousand dollars so yeah and how was, did that i mean you, you mentioned the fact that you know wayne did the tr- you did the transition you bought it from wayne you know, he funded you into it or allowed vendor finance, which was, yeah, as you say, is a really helpful way of people getting in. But how did that transition from Wayne being the owner to Jamie being the owner? Was that just a, he walked out and left? Um, how did the six staff that were there handle, like, how was that transition? Um, yeah, it worked quite well. And obviously I was quite young, so at the time was 24, so which, you know, a yeah. lot of the staff were experienced of being there for quite a while, so... Um, we had to work on that. So Wayne did a sort of a slow transition over, say, 18 months. So, you know, still worked as an employee for a while and then we had a bit of a good transition then worked over. So, like, obviously, Wayne had been doing it for, you know, 20-odd years before, so it's sort of a lot of people knew and knew him as such. So it was good to have that transition period to get get through those How, how long did it take? Um, I don't need exact days, but for you to, to get an idea, one, obviously, initially I would imagine just to, get an understanding of running a, a business and but you would have got to a point where you started to want to add your flavor or, or what you wanted to do you had long-term staff that worked in the shed yep. was there ever an issue where you started wanting to implement things that you did that were quite different to what the business had been doing over the last 30 years that there was a bit of tension from from staff or the way things were manufactured anything like that or it all seemed pretty smooth um, yeah it was like there was ups and downs right it's probably yeah. more trying to go away from the manual you know, everything by paper to more computerised. So that yep. was sort of where we sort of started to get a system of clocking on and off jobs and sort of changing, you know, which was, there's a lot of headaches to get to that stage, yeah. but it was, you know, that was sort of the next stage that we're looking at. And so there was probably, I'd say, two to three years of, of changing and, you know, then having some ideas to implement and then being able to start implementing them. Yep. And then you've... Uh, Can I just talk about y- one of the changes that, and it's probably a bit later in the period, but one yeah. of the stories I remember, one of the changes that Jamie made that was probably not his greatest success was he, in, he, he changed the office chairs. Oh, that, <laughs> that is all Do you want, you want, Like before we that give it away, you want to is, tell that story. That's, that's one of the greatest time. of all time. Hey, we were going through a fitness phase. <laughs> <laughs> you so, weren't playing football but, at the time. Oh, that's <laughs> it. So the, all the rage was uh, exercise balls or fit balls uh, that, yeah, sit on instead of a chair so you know work your core which and me being a you know a bit of a tight ass so I got on you know saw one that was really cheap <laughs> unbeknownst to me that you can actually buy ones that are burst proof this cheap one which was about 10 bucks wasn't burst proof and <laughs> aluminium shavings which was on the floor so one day uh, sitting at my desk 
hear this bang, and the next minute I'm sprawled out on the ground and <laughs> uh, leave on the office pissing himself laughing at uh, me being on the ground. So. It's been a joke for the next 20 years. <laughs> it's been one of the best because Jamie, you know, when he was playing footy, which you were at the time, was probably in his slimmest state, but you, you, you're not the smallest individual. <laughs> no, anymore. exactly right. You were so, a front rower, right? It was a fair impact. <laughs> Sorry. <I just laughs> so what, right. what point did you you start considering being the, the be-all and end-all to everyone, every, whoever came through the, the front door, if you wanted a, a nut bloody welded on the end of a bit of bolt, you'd do it. A prop repair. A repair. Uh, oh, you did a heap of prop repairs. That's right. That was Your yeah. business did a heap of that, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's that was our core business for you know a long time. So it sort of came over. You know, we sort of jumped forward a few years, and we had you know quite a few ups and downs. Like, and that's that was one of the reasons. Like, and we're always trying to look for something. You know, how we can do stuff, how we can do it better. So, and over that sort of period, which then when we get sort of two thousand and thirteen, so about ten years. Yep. You know where we then started to look and the four-wheel drive started to become more popular. Mm. And so we started to do more custom trays, you know, and a bit of stuff. And then that's probably – that happened over a, a long period of time. Yep. Um, then we then got more serious and then started to do – so, right, there is a – there's a market here. Yep. yep. Um, which was uh, driven a lot by Isaac and Steve. So, Isaac so what's and Steve? Steve's background? Like yeah. What, okay. What? Yeah. So sorry, uh, jumping back. So uh, now, um, so both Isaac and Steve um, started off as apprentices. Wow. Um, yep. So Steve started off out of school, um, which was a couple of years after we bought the business, so pretty close. Uh, Isaac also started he was a mature age apprentice, so he used to uh, run a few of the McDonald's stores um, in town. And then wanted to become a baller maker, so he started his apprenticeship. So now both of those guys are shareholders. So mm. you know, Isaac twenty percent and Steve ten percent of the company. So which has happened over the last five years. So yeah, that's where they fitted in, mm-hmm. and they had a drive. So we ended up separating the business and just having an area which specialised in trays and canopies. Yep. So away from the other business, which we did, we we're over a couple of sites there. We're probably about. 20 staff at that stage. So we'd, we'd grown. Yeah, you're yeah. on a new premises then? Or is that no, what you were still, next, we're still, next door, man? Yeah, next door. Yeah. So we had, yeah. we had in Ogden Street, we end up having three sheds there. Yep. And so still doing custom work, but sort of split, split it out of the business. And that's when Isaac bought in not long after that, when we purchased a new premise around the corner, which yep. was way above... <laughs> the means or <laughs> size or capabilities financially for us to do. Yep. Um, and so that what, what, with that in mind at the time, obviously a massively scary step to take. Yeah, you put your what, backside on the line well. And yeah, what then. was the final thing you said, you know what, I'm, I mean, I'm doing it. Is it just, you could, you could vision that it's going to, what, what made you go bugger it? Yeah, well, that was. Because it was a massive financial decision. Yeah, like at the time, well, Stacey and I had to sell the house. Like we needed yeah. to get into the shed. We had to sell the house to get money to to produce into the shed. Uh, we'd like we'd been. You got young kids at this point. Yeah, so kids, you know. So the first year I bought the business uh, was still playing footy, um, still travelling away. We had our first child, so 
we had young kids right through. So, and that was quite quite tough. And we'd got to that stage. So, that's about fourteen years since doing. There's a lot of up and downs. Like we'd you'd get to Thursday for wages. If we didn't have enough money in the bank, you know, I didn't get paid till next Monday. So, or we had yeah. to adjust. So that was our sole focus was making that's sure right. there's enough money in the bank on by Thursday to make sure that we could pay the wages. So those type of things over time, like, you know, we went up, had some good times. We wasn't all bad, but it was a, it was a struggle. Like it was, and that's a whole thing of doing custom work and different stuff. Some yep. of the jobs are good, profitable, some are not, you know, and it's a, uh, an ebb and flow. And I, and I can just throw something in here. If if Jimmy actually had have charged, <laughs> now what people got to understand, being involved with a football club is a great thing because you meet a lot of people. But also those lot of people want a lot of work done as well. <laughs> and being footballers generally don't have a lot of money. And G- and this is the whole thing you'll see right through Norworld. Yeah, and, and I'm being a bit facetious here, but um, there's a there's a hell of a lot of work that you did, as whether it be sponsorship or as pro bono or just because you had mates that come through the door. Um, I'm sure if you charge most of that, you, you, may, you may not have had some of the Wages problems. on a Thursday but may that's not have the, been a problem, but, right? But in saying that, that's what the build, business has essentially been built on, that service and the name out there and this is who we are. And you had to, you actually had to make a bit of a change there when you did move, didn't you, in regards to, body, who's our client? <laughs> are we going to continue doing this or not? Yeah, exactly. And that's probably was a bit kind to my own fault at, through those times. And that was probably one of the big advantages of bringing Isaac in firstly was it then had to change the whole mindset of what it wasn't my money to say we can give away you know sponsorship or jobs it was now the company so probably that changed the mindset so which was forced by the new purchase of the shed and then having to having to change what we did so that then changed the mindset which is it's funny right that if you're when it was your own, you were prepared to give it away, but once it was someone else that you were sharing with, you weren't, you know... It you weren't going to give theirs away. Yeah. So yeah. so it doesn't make sense. Why were you prepared to give yours away? So Yeah, yeah. I like I like one of the other the stories, and, and you might not remember this, but I remember the conversation because we did this... We've been doing this planning thing as a group with yourselves and some other businesses in yep. Cairns. And one of the earlier... Oh, geez, a number of years ago, um, you brought in this idea of a minimum fee. Now, this is you know, probably 15 years ago, you know, and, and the worry is how much are you going <laughs> to charge this min- minimum fee? Because this is the type of business you are. You just wanted to help everyone out. And I, th- I can't remember the time. It might have been 50 bucks. I think it was 50 been, bucks. Yeah, 50 50, dollars. 55 <laughs> bucks. And the decision was, how am I ever going to be able to, <laughs> to implement this? Yeah. Um, but you did. And one of the, I've got to tell you, this is a funny story because this is one of Jimmy's greatest lines. So he brought this in and people would come in and get that, Nut wanting to be, bol- you know, welded onto a to a bolt, a simple job. It's all right, yeah, minimum fee, 55 bucks. And they'd always go, ah, oh, geez, I could do it, do it, do it myself. And he's going, well, what are you doing here then? <laughs> what are you doing here then? <laughs> so it's always <laughs> people's greatest comment. Well, go do it yourself. <laughs> oh, if only had a but welder. That, that's a small thing, but a, a big, it was a mindset change. That yeah. was quite difficult, to, you know, because we we did everything for everyone, and that's yeah. was was our motto that if you had a problem, we'd solve it. So yeah. whether we could do it or someone else. So then this now, which was probably the start of the change, to say, you know, no, we can't do the job, and we're going to turn away work and money because this is 
we're on the path for going. And like you said, the meetings we've had with you guys, which was quite good, is getting other perspectives from other businesses as to what they do and then implement that in ours that had a fair bit of legacy from previous. So how did you implement the $55 fee when the bloke wanted to pay you with mud crabs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, there's a million stories. So to we, <laughs> we have had some of the mud crabs were, were some of the good times. <laughs> so, mate, you've, you've, you've made the decision to move into the, the building as we know it now, the, the factory as we know it now. Um, so how was that transfer? Because it's a, a massive – what's the difference in size of it compared to where, where you were and how did you do that? transfer a business because you kept doing both things didn't you still yeah so in size it was five times the size of where we were so which is wow and then that's just a shed size and then the land size would be the same again five mm-hmm. times bigger so as well as a shed size the that then so we did keep running both both sides so still had a, the general stuff and then shifted all the trays and canopies over to the new facility at Hartley Street. And that's when we, and it was quite tough. Like it, mm. shifting the business and just adding power, adding all the stuff was, you know, we probably, you know, went 400,000 over budget that we didn't plan on. So, which was money that we didn't have at the time. Yeah, because so. you've already sold the house. Yeah. You already so sold, to get, yeah. the, to get, get the shed and then. You're still paying, as I recall, rent on one of the sheds because yep. you didn't own the sheds that, all the that's sheds correct. that you were in at the other time. Yep. Like that's got to have been a massively stressful period. Yeah, right? it was, and it was that was that was when I think you asked previously what you know what was the that was probably the catalyst to say you know this is it's now and ever like if we don't make this work it's yep you know it's we're all in so and that was when we made you know another tough decision which was let's stop doing custom work so we'll you know we'll getting busier we'll add more people but we were doing in the trays and canopies everything for everyone like we were previously so that we're getting busier you're selling a lot of stuff thinking this is good but the costs were rising just as fast so and that's when myself Isaac and Steve sort of sat down and said we've got to do something about it which was let's go away from custom we're going to do a set size set packages and the customers will have to choose one of those. And yep. that was a tough change, right? Oh, that is... And That's that, this tougher is, than the minimum charge change. This right? is, yeah, this yeah, is big yeah, dollars. Absolutely. And this is, yeah. we'd probably, initially, half the customers we lost, you know, that... Mm-hmm. So 50% of our revenue went straight away because we w- couldn't offer the what people were used to. Yep. And then, which... As you know, I don't so like you're in a no new to shed, anyone. <laughs> right? Yep. It's over budget. You've made the change that ultimately leads to you being successful, right? But this, as we wanted to get in, in this, this is the business journey is a rocky journey, and at some point you make good decisions that don't look like good decisions at the time. You got a new business partner, and half your customers are walked. Mm. How do you find a new? How do, how do you solve that hole? Not least of which, the biggest part of that, which is sales, right? Is Activity, getting yes. the shop working again. What's, yeah. What's the path? What's and that that then involved a lot of education of customers of changing yep. to people to the product that we now offered is what they wanted and was you know we'd spent a lot of time designing and making sure that it was what customers wanted, 
but it's then about educating them to change how they were. And it was about also looking outside of Cairns so that currently, you know, we're based in a vicinity of 150,000 people, which that was our market. So we use a, a lot of the platforms, website, social media, and started to get further out and traction outside, which in other states, which then increased. So we wanted to find more people who wanted what we were selling, so yep. our type of customer, rather than trying to trying to find the trying to sell to someone who didn't want what we were offering. Yep. So there's a lot of words there, but yeah. yeah. So instead, yep. of, if so, I can, if I can sort of paraphrase what I think you're saying there, instead of going, our customers are people who have a four wheel drive and go camping. Yep. It was a subset of those people that did that one, but valued something that was of quality, was fit for purpose. And reliable, right? Yeah. If, if I can summarize, that that ultimately mm. is what you delivered on, right? That's exactly right. And that's and don't try and sell to someone that doesn't want what you're offering. So if they don't have the money and they want a certain basic and area, money. That's, yeah, yeah, then it's you're not going to convince. You can't change it. They don't have it, so yep. you can't make them. Yep. So let's find more of the people that have the money and is chasing the quality that we were offering and the product, and that's where then expanding out further went. And what drew drove drew, uh, drew that? <laughs> what, what what drove that? Isaac and I know Isaac as a person. He you know the marketing and the social media and all that, and, and he, he's a he's a salesman through and through. Is he a big driver around that, or how did that all for sure? Where you did it together, or how did? But he, he like as most people know, I'm, I'm not on social media and don't do it, but I understand the benefits as in business. But Isaac was had a passion and drove mm. you know the 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 product that we were offering and made sure it was good and got it out into all those platforms and worked tirelessly to do that. And then then more as a group decision is about, right, do we start, like we're starting to send stuff around Australia, which people were fitting and then they might be fitting them right, different parts. So we then made a decision to let's open up in Brisbane. So, mm -hmm. which we started doing four wheel drive shows around Australia and just getting the name out there. And then we, Brisbane, on the back of, you know, Instagram, Facebook, yep. and the website, and getting out there, we then opened up Brisbane. And I think that one of the things I just want to touch on there is, I, from the outside look at it, the social media and all that stuff, and yeah, that that gets the name out to multiple peoples. I think that the thing that then came with that is that you actually then took your product to the places yeah. where those people would be that had the money to spend it, and because it's one thing to see it and you just say it's fantastic like the last podcast we just did, you can say anything on paper and drive emotion. But you've got to be able to touch and feel because it's a committed spend, right? This yeah. is not an insignificant purchase. In some cases, this is almost as much as the – like I've, you've done packages that are as much as the car that the person bought, right? And the yeah. cars aren't cheap to begin with. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's because of the investor's spend. So at the start, you just think that we're in Cairns, so you're in – Hicksville, North Queensland. So if I'm in Brisbane or Sydney, why am I going to give this guy $20,000, $30,000? What happens if something goes wrong? So you've got yep. that sort of, yep. yep, we have got a quality product and it's good, but there's that barriers to purchase. Once, and that's probably what skyrocketed. So once we're there in Brisbane, that someone could come down and have a look, meet us. Mm. And myself and Isaac, you know, at the start, we manned the store from Cairns. So we'd alternate each fortnight so they got a chance to meet the owners and come and have a look at the product 
then it just started to snowball because they could they knew it was a quality product. They knew that we were close to them and that we could offer the warranty and offer if there was any issues, they could come down and do it. And that then just started the... And I think the other thing, sorry, Paul, the, the, the other thing in that that you touched on is you needed to be there. You didn't need to replicate cans there, right? That that really you invested in this plant and it was about getting efficiencies and you're not going to get efficiencies if you, mm. you know, I know you we can get to where you are now, but in those days it was about making sure that you made the quality product, you controlled it, but you actually then physically just picked it up and put it on the back of a truck or a ship or whatever a train and got it down there, mm. right? You didn't try and reduplicate and go, well, we're a Brisbane company or we're a Sydney company that or was, we're a Melbourne company, right? Yeah. And that's probably been over the last 52 years what New World's about is the quality of work and that we'll – offer a lifetime warranty against their workmanship, which we've offered that since 1971. Yep. And it's gone all the way through that we'll back it up. And that's what we wanted to have the, the fabricate. We've got the factory in Cairns. We've, we want to utilize it as best we can. So the fabricate, the quality then is 100%. And then, yeah, ship away. So those stores were yeah, quite quite leanly, you know, a, a fitter and a salesperson effectively yep. to, to fit the stuff. And that, that was it. So. so in those early years when you've you got the, the shed you're in now set up, what, what would have been the number of trays or, or canopies? In, the, in those early years, what have you been doing in, a, in a year? When you shifted sites. When you yep. shifted sites. You've committed to something that's five times bigger in shed size and effectively, five, you know, it's ten times bigger in total area. Yep. How many trays, canopies, roughly. units were you making roughly? Um, it's We do look because it's, it's risen quite a bit. So we were probably uh, – if it said 20 trays a month and five canopies mm-hmm. would probably be a rough sort of guide. And once you got out and started to expand your brain to the rest of Australia outside of Cairns, you started setting up the sheds, which took some lead time. What did that then sort of escalate? How did that go up? So those those other so, sort of – as we added sites, then the production sort of kept up. So. Yep. What sort of led was the sales, the increase in sales would lead and then we'd backfill the production to get get up to those numbers. So it had probably doubled within 12 months. So it was probably right. 40 trays and 10 canopies. Mm-hmm. And then, sorry, I don't, I don't know if I've said it in a month, sorry, in yeah. the 12 yeah, months. Yeah, or yeah, those, 12 months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, that it sort of doubled, so which then brought on a number of, a number of challenges with pretty much doubling your workforce and then trying to keep the quality up. Yeah, which, it, which is which is the question I want to get yeah. to because this is what you've done really well um, and, and definitely by design because we said earlier that you're always willing to learn, go see what and you've mentioned before, you go see what other businesses do mm. just because it's something completely different. There's little bits you can take away. So with coming with that product, productivity, obviously efficiencies need to pr- improve so you can have as much work as you possible through the door from a sales perspective, but if you can't get it done, all of a sudden your brand and um, the the recognition goes backwards in a hurry because you're not producing what you said you're going to produce. So, and I do know that you you've spent a lot of time going to um, other various manufacturing plants just to get an idea of what they manage. Was it Boeing? Was did you go? Uh, was it Jayco was Jayco probably the, the yeah. Is a, so yeah, done a number of different factory tours of different industries right across, just trying to see what other people are doing and what what we could do and Jayco was probably it was around the same time that we shifted factories and was like well what, how how are other places doing and that's probably for me was a big eye-opener to say the opportunities are are massive but you've got to be prepared to change and do things 
different to how we were doing it before. Yep. So and not give up quality in the same time. Yeah. So yeah. then the quality, which is then you know, it involves a lot of procedures and processes, then a lot of training. So and we we train a number of apprentices, so yep. which then are trained in you know we call it the Norworld way. So, but that comes you, it takes a bit of time. So when mm. you're scaling and getting up, it's not like a it's not like you can just go and buy more product yep. and then you're selling it. It's you've got to be able to make it so and then make it to the same quality. So which we're, we're lucky to retain a lot of key staff, which, you know, they worked worked their butt off to make sure the product was yep. went out the right way. And that's probably the, the standard that we set was that it's got to be 100% right. Because once you start losing, you know, if you start losing that, and people are prepared to pay, I mean, it's like going to a steak restaurant, you're prepared to pay for a good steak as long as it's a good steak. If yep. it's not, then you're not real happy. So, and that's what we tried to... And there was some automation that you could do in mm. that, but there's still a massive part of what you do requires manual labour and weld and put together, right? So it's not like you can just fully automate the construction of these things, right? For sure. It's, uh, it's a handmade product. So, yep. yes, we've now got CNC cutters and CNC press, which make the job a lot easier, but effectively it's still you know, a bespoke handmade product. So even though we're doing it, we're not doing custom sizes or that. It's the same product, but it's each one has a, a lot of so apart from so if we just if i just go back a step so the big change is you've you, you your balls and all in yep you've realized that the way we're going to make this work is if we commit to a set design and and and, and essentially a niche right we're going to go you've said no. we know the people that we're going to buy this we've actually been doing this long enough now that we actually know what that is so surely the canopy you're making today is exactly the same as you made in 2015, right? <laughs> You've still got the 2015. I know. I upgraded. I upgraded. And it gets me, when I look back at the, the trays and canopies that we did, at the time were cutting edge, top of the range, mm. you know, really good. To me now they look, they look uh, substandard, you know, yeah. because we've just made those incremental gains right through to now the product's totally different. But when you're in it, you don't see those changes until you look back at something mm. before and go, oh, we've actually changed a lot. So and do, I you think- have a, do you have a design team that, that, that looks at this or someone that says, right, oh, this is, okay, this is what the canopy was, you know, in, in 2021. What can we do different now? What changes can we make? Is there a design team that comes up with this or is it, boy, it it's a bit of, it, it's a It's a bit of a cross the board. So if we... Step back where Isaac had a lot of the sales stuff, and that's where Steve was more design and the production mm-hmm. um, facing side, which was focused on there. So sort of split into the two teams, so which then one's pushing one's one pushing the other. So it's funny you say design team. Recently, we we did a tour of Red Arc, yep. who make all the twelve volt Australian made product, very big company, and the amount of staff they have in design and. R&D compared to the actual production staff, it's about two to one. Wow. Bad income. <laughs> Whereas we're about 100 to one the other way, so we have quite a <laughs> small team doing it. But so to answer your question about the design, at the end of the day, it comes from the customer. Is The feedback we get from the customers then goes into a pool, and then also we look at how do we design something better for manufacturing. So you might the customer mightn't see the difference, but... The way it's made now is yep. easier and faster for us and a 
cheaper way to make without affecting the, the, quality. the quality. So our, uh, you know, key things is that when we're making any design changes that it's better looking, it's better quality, and we can make it quicker. And then you got, and now you've got, you know, shops planted all around Australia, pretty much got the capital cities covered. Um, and it's Norwell Australia is the brand mm. now. Um, but you also do a bit into the US, and I don't know if people listens would know this, but you, you do send stuff to the US. How, how, I guess my question, how did you even get into that market? Was that, again, was it by chance, or did you, you know someone that knew someone, or was it a dedicated, hey, we want to get in there, we're going to do it this way? It... It grew organically, so it started from one Instagram post. So Isaac posted one of our canopies. A guy from mainland in America contacted him and started a conversation. Then Isaac then said, oh, I think we've got an opportunity here in the US. And my first reaction was, come off it, mate. There's 320 million people in America. I'm sure someone can make an aluminum train and canopy. And then it went further along. So then we designed, designed some stuff. We ended up doing some shows and going over there and exploring the product. And as it turned out, Americans love Australian, you know, off-road and four-wheel driving, and so they really like anything made in Australia. So we then sent our first few over, got to the show. Then so now we're about a container every three months that we're okay. sending over there. So what's so, in a container? What would be in a container? So in a container would be fifteen trays and. Two canopies, yeah, so okay. the canopies haven't really gone off. So a lot of a lot of our trays, they put the slide on campers on top. Okay, so yep. that's where the bulk of them are going. And that's a company that distributes for us, and they've got all around. So we sell to them, and then they send them all around, which and then they put the campers on top of the trays. So there's a there's a big opportunity still over there for canopies themselves. Yeah, for canopies themselves. So. And so my guess is that American vehicles are not the same sizes Australian vehicles and if you and you're not doing slide on canopies here so you had to make a dedicated decision to actually have a product line to fit a marketplace that's on the other side of the world yeah so which is a big like there's a lot of design that went into those initial ones because you're right that they are different trays and different stuff and then there's the logistics that because mm. we hadn't fit, fitted those vehicles and sending stuff over the other side of the world that is it going to work and is it going to be fit for purpose and that's a lot of design time a lot of backwards and forwards and that was yeah but it's again saying that we're going to offer another line and putting the effort in to say that there was was going to be a market there moving forward so you you you, you were out now in the u.s you got places all around australia you were doing uh what do we say by 40, the end of the year 40 40, 40 a year 40 40 trays a, a year yeah what a month a month sorry yep. what 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 at today what are the, what do the numbers look like? The thankfully they they keep growing. So <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're currently uh, per month we're at uh, hundred trays and sixty canopies. So roughly every month that we're getting out. So which is you know over a thousand trays a year and over seven hundred canopies last year. So and yeah. currently they're still all made. Currently all made in Cairns, so and that's a new exciting thing coming up. We're we're developing a factory in Brisbane, so we're going to start to manufacture mm-hmm. the trays in Brisbane initially. So, and that's to help with our capacity. And you'll basically replicate the exactly the, 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 yeah, like we're, yep. we've, well with some process improvements because we've got 
a new way to go. And that's why I've, again, done some more factory tours to say, right, how's mm. the best way to lay it out? So um, we'll have the same end product, but yeah, some different processes along the way to get it. One of the other things that we probably haven't touched on, we talked about um, the social media impact and the getting out to the factory show, uh, the, the four-wheel drive shows and all of that. But another thing that's probably helped was an association with a television show, yeah, right? That was How a, did that come about? Uh, again, that was uh, probably firstly um, another of Isaac's initiatives, but the having the quality of the product and they saw that and approached us and said, you know, your stuff's good, can we partner with you? Which yeah, ended up being a, a great relationship which got the exposure for people all around Australia and all around the world to see our product on the back of all for adventures cars in mm. the most extreme conditions that you can get. And it wasn't just there for one year, it was yeah, there yeah. for another year, another yep. year, and it's still there. So which these products are getting used in the way that they've, they've been designed for. And they've held up in some circumstances where other things probably, yeah. where cars maybe didn't, right? Yes. Yeah, we've had rollovers and different parts and the products you set it through. And that's sort of, when you go back, sorry, to the design, Steve especially spends a lot of time in the mm-hmm. Cape fishing and that, so which is how to use it, what's the best product and testing to make sure that some of the changes we make, that they work, and then we can then implement those back in. And I, I don't think that should be underestimated, right? Dad's, Dad's always said if someone's unsure of what we're trying to do and we get them, just show them what we do, right? And yeah. if you're not doing it yourself, it's very hard to tell somebody that what you've got is actually of quality because you can't believe it. And I think that that journey over a, the whole 50 years, right, anybody who's been involved with Norwell in the early days had a Norwell punt, had the Norwell fuel tank everyone's got a tray a canopy your staff do it i mean you're very generous in the way that you enable that to happen, but it's part of that belief system right that you produce something and if they value it then you should value it and then everyone else is going to value is that oh fair? that's exactly right and that goes back to the early days a lot of the products were designed around going camping and fishing and what do mm. we need oh we can't get a fuel tank all right well let's build one let's design one and make it you know what do we need we need a a different side right oh well, let's do it and that's evolved and that's then is making so then it's an easy sell to the customer when you can say this is what i use this is what i do with it rather than you know look at the book and not have any any knowledge on how, how it's been done so so where to from here i guess you got the brisbane obviously that's that's going to be uh the next 12 months i'd imagine that's going to put some focus and i'd imagine stresses there but um <laughs> What's the, the vision, I guess, the Norworld vision from, from here? You must have been talking to my wife. When, when, <laughs> when's, when, when's enough and it's enough? Yeah. When, when is it? So we've, we've got a lot of drive and I think, you know, bringing Isaac and Stephen over the last mm. six or so years has, has reignited my drive to continue to go. So, And a fresh set of eyes and a fresh keenness as is driving us. So... And we're, yeah, we've got big plans. So we've got yep. different, like we want to open more stores. We want to expand. We want to look at manufacturing in the States. So currently the freight's a bit of an issue like cost-wise and, yep. and timing. So yep. um, we think there's a market to develop there. What sort of area in the States would you look at over there? Uh, Texas. Texas. Yeah, yep. Texas. And they're, they're quite keen to get companies from overseas to manufacture they're there. Because all, they're all those style side bodies over there. They don't yeah. actually... Like America's Have probably trays, do they? It's 
Are they backwards? They're probably ten years behind. Yeah, behind Australia in the four drives. Like in certain areas, they're twenty years Miles in front ahead. of Australia. But in yeah. the as far as four drives, and it's a lot of you know, Dad drove a car, and it's stock standard, so they mm. it sort of comes down. So that's starting to change as well. So there's again more opportunity there. Yeah, um, and then locally, Brisbane's going to add a lot of capacity to us, and we're also. Currently, we've been pretty much recreational market. Yep. Tradies, a uh, bit of stuff. So we're looking at moving into the fleet market. So bigger companies, uh, government, mining that have big fleets. So which means that a bit of a different product mix to offer to them. So that's sort of uh, us putting in the fires. So right, there might be a downturn a little bit recreationally, but let's have a look at what other markets yep. we can we can get into. Yeah, I just want to come back and touch on on that quickly so there's no debt well on the outside and i think you'd admit this that covid wasn't a bad thing mm. for you from a product desire point of view right but i want to just touch on the fact that you had you had a circumstance where there was a, a really unique opportunity where that was people were staying at home they were many yet they want to get it but supply of material was not matching what you were trying to do? How did how did that pan out? How did you manage that? Yeah, that's like like everyone. We thought it was going to be the worst in the world, and then it's turned it out the opposite. So the demand increased through the roof. So that then caused other challenges. With it's, we need to be able to get the material to make the. And Steve was probably quick on this: is to put our orders out longer. So we had twelve month orders in place for material, and then obviously the costs are rising quite quickly. But we made sure we locked in supply so we didn't impact the customer to say that we couldn't deliver on what we set. So, which meant we had to carry more stock, increase the times. And like we did lock in some prices that were higher that then started to come down, but it meant that we could still supply the product. So, but I think the lesson, right? The thing that I just, the thing that I'll take on, on, on that is that it's again another one of these journeys where you went, we actually believe in what we got to do, we got to actually commit to that mm. and suffer the consequences of it because if you hadn't have mm. you would have had this potentially great outcome and no ability to deliver the product so the fact that the you know and i remember we had conversation where you go i wish i hadn't paid that for aluminium yeah right but if you hadn't have you wouldn't have actually sold what you could have right yeah and that's again is that up and down you know and is making a decision and they're not always the best decisions but Normally, but you have got to make the decision. So, and then ride the consequences that come with it. So, that that decision then allowed us to be able to to deliver product and get it. When yeah, it might have had some downside, but it had a lot of upside. So, I think one of the great things that are oh, not the great things, but part of this story is right. You've got you've produced a product which is a Norwell product. People know it as Norwell, right? Mm-hmm. A canopy or, or a tray, um, and the camping uh, in Australia's boomed over the last probably decade, I guess. Um, and you've got people manufacturing trays all over the place now. And you can't say this, but I can. But there are people, you know, it's there's a lot of copycats. So yeah. people are actually designing trays to be like a Norwell. I think that's the biggest compliment you could probably get, um, having someone go, well, what are we going to do? Let's build a Norwell. You know what I mean? That's well, I mean, it's the ultimate the things, right? It's like uh, Absolutely. In, in, in the UK, a vacuum cleaner is called a Hoover. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's yeah. that's when you know you've made it, right? Yeah. It's a, when when the thing that you make is known because of your brand, not yeah. because of what it actually is, right? And you're very you're right, Paul. Yeah. I think that 
that everyone goes, oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll have a Norwell canopy, oh, but I'll get it from here and it'll be customed and cheaper, mm. right? but it's never the same thing. Yeah. And I think that that, for me, has been a big part of this story and this journey, and I think you mentioned it, right? In 1971, someone well before you, although you knew who they were, committed to a belief system that we will guarantee for life our workmanship. Mm. And in everything else that's been done over it, and that's, that's possibly easy to do when you're making a fuel tank, Right, but you're doing it on something that is now in multis of tens of thousands of dollars and standing by the same, and that is the base that has driven. Whilst it's been a rocky road, you've never lost sight of that. And as Paul said, even though you've decided on a single set of product, you have committed to delivering the best possible client experience. It's not just saying we'll give a lifetime warranty. We, mm. you know, I don't know how many. I haven't many times, but I'm one of those people that got a custom thing that, you know, maybe you regret that you did with some <laughs> locks and stuff. But it's, you know, something broke. They had, had a bloody rod break, right? Now, I know we're mates, but it wouldn't have mattered whether it, we were mates or not. If that was part of what you delivered, you just fixed the thing, right? Mm. And, I'm, and I'm guessing over a long period of time, there's times where you wish, well, that probably cost you money, but that's probably made you more money that's than true. it's ever cost you, right? Mm. Yeah, but I you can only do it if you believe. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, th- things happen and it's about how the customer feels that they've spent the money and you're prepared to, and it might be a lock or a, or a strut that's got nothing to do with what we do, but that's part of our product mm. and we stand by it. And that's, I think that's important for the staff as well. So they, they're, they've got a clear goal. They know that that's, that's a non-negotiable and that's what we do. So over that time, that then builds a culture of, right, we've, we've got to make this product. And you've got to remember, these products are going on four-wheel drives that are going off-road, like yeah. extreme. Like it's not just something like a TV that sits on your bench at home. In a, this is yep. like humidity, rain, every, every uh, weather event you can get that these that we're doing this warranty. And you're right, mm. it's, this happened way before me, but it's just that we've decided to, to continue that through to now and it's like you said it's all around australia so it's like you're not just warranting something in one one area so yeah Mm. it is it is important and i think that's for our staff to know that and then that then drives their behaviors yeah and so just touching while you're touching on stuff because i think that is a you know your success like any business really the success is the people they got to believe and they got to be when they do when you when you took it over in 2001 2001 six people yep Today, we just ticked over to 106 staff all up. So, and the bulk of those are in cans. So, there's probably 85 in cans, mm-hmm. and then the rest around Australia. And how many over that journey, that period of time, how many apprentices have gone through? Lost count. I think we're close to 500. So, over the 50 years, yeah. So, we tracked back. So, yeah, yeah. there's a lot that have, um, yeah, come through. Yeah. And I think that there's, a, I mean, we were just talking the other day, you, you, I think, yeah, you mentioned it or Isaac mentioned it, but you talked about Isaac and Steve starting as apprentices and you making a gusset, but probably not the greatest person who's ever been on the world, <laughs> right? But you've now got a, a, a young guy who's moving into the sales part of the organisation who started as an apprentice, right? So there has been, over a long period of time, consistent that there is a migration everywhere and if you've got a belief in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... Again, I think it's important that if you're a guy starting off that you can see that you can progress from 
just being at the bottom of the pile, sweeping the floor to uh, being an owner of the business or moving into sales or moving into management. So there's that that broach there. So it's not just a dead end job for those guys. And it's good for them to be able to see that, that with hard work and yep. having a go that you can do something different. Look, mate, it's, it's been a bloody fantastic chat and the, the story and, and really appreciate you um, opening up and letting us, letting us know the details. It's, it's been great. There's, um, I always, through this whole thing, I keep thinking about it. I was thinking on the way to work today. We touched on the marketing, how you've, you know, the, the social media and you're on television doing videos and the, you see a Norwell canopy or wherever you go in Australia, you see a Norwell canopy or, or a tray. It doesn't matter where you are. We actually had a, a drove a car down, actually got to drive a Norwell car cars? down to the Sunshine Coast just for holidays over Christmas. And um, it'd been parked up for a day and the neighbour to where we were staying actually come out and said, oh, is that a, a, a Norwell tray on you? He said, oh, where'd you get that from? Well, actually, that's theirs, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I always think about the, the marketing and think about the stickers. Oh, for those people. Things, so Norwell does these, these white stickers. Jimmy, I think, alluded on, on it earlier. He used to put stickers on coolers. It was just a white sticker with Norwell written on it. And for people that live in, red in certainly in Cairns and North Queensland, it did not matter where you went. There was a sticker plastered. Anything that on, was aluminium. Anything had aluminium had a, a, a Norwell sticker. sticker. So the marketing's come a long way from the stickers, mate. <laughs> the stickers. And that's, <laughs> but they're still around. You, you still see them? You do. And I have to <laughs> give that to Wayne. That was his you yeah. know, initial foray, which was good. Right? It branded yeah. everything that you did, went out with a sticker, and then people knew where they got it from, and then yep. that creates... Uh, so again, now that's now is the reputation that's it's a Norwell tray or a Norwell canopy. Well, then it then creates yeah. that same same thing. So. Yeah, I, I I think that the the one of the, the great things is and the other thing that's always been part of Norwell is the stubby cooler, right? Which <laughs> it's evolved. It I've still evolved. got an old foam one. I still got old foam ones too, which you got the red thing on them that you had to had to shape, and then they became styrofoam, and now they're magnetic. Yes, yeah. right. What an evolution. Talk about evolution, but same thing. It's just an evolution of that same thing over a period of time, and yeah, you know. continue incremental improvement. So yeah, continually gets get getting better. Yeah. So mate, I think that there's so many great lessons in that. It's been awesome to have a chat. Thanks for sharing your time and the journey. We actually have got a giveaway. So, are we? Yeah, oh. Jimmy's bought in a, he's, a he's couple always of one with, with merchandise merch. packs. Merch. There's always Swag, a, as they call it so in there's the a couple of merchandise packs with a is there a, a cooler and a shirts and couple of the new coolers not not the old old foam coolers, oh, these are the coolers. New ones. so for the for the listeners we're going to give uh, two of these out um and the question is how many trays do norwell currently manufacture it was a monthly number one month, in, yeah. in in a month if you send that through via the facebook page and we'll uh the first couple in we'll get a, a norwell pack thank you jimmy for that yep. no, and that's, that's isaac awesome. and steve and isaac and steve yeah and everybody else and mate again thanks for coming in i think there was lots of pearls of wisdom in there and it's been a fascinating journey and a and a great journey to watch you guys go through and evolve on and we you know as we're mates but we wish you all the success and and i think that the the thing for me out of all of this is the commitment to a, a starting belief right in in this case was as we said wasn't even one that that was yours, but it was the company that you took over, which was a belief in a lifetime warranty, which meant that we have to be committed to actually mm. the product that we create. And then an ability to adapt and evolve over a journey to get to an outcome, right? To, to think that in 1971, this business was what it was. And when you took it over, you know, what's it? What were we saying? 50, 2001. 2001, 20, 20 years, years, right? 20. It's, it's just not even the same engine that it was. 
but it's a credit to you and it's a credit to everybody else that you've brought along that journey with you to actually have just said, well, I think I said it earlier, to be balls in so many times and you're doing it again and, I, you know, we wish you all the success, mate, and it's, it's really great to see good people have good Absolutely. times even if, you know, it wasn't a... It's an instant overnight success. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'd like to thank you guys and for your support over the years as well. And that's one thing I probably didn't touch on is that you need to get support of people outside of what you do. You get caught up in what you're in your perspective. So you guys have been great advisors and and is having a look. Someone else has got a better idea or is taking it on board, not being I think sometimes we can get staunch in what we think is the right way or best way instead of going well let's open up and get different perspectives and things from other people that are experts in what they do and then using that on board to make changes so yeah thanks guys for today this has been good i'm not not a very good public speaker no no fascinating and i'm sure we're going to get great great feedback on it and hopefully we'll we'll do we'll do some more of it in the future so please as paul said you know thanks for listening jump on the wealth radio face please give us great feedback answer the question so we can send out the swag uh, and uh, and we, we might do one North Queensland, none, one, one in North Queensland, and someone outside the North Queensland. Yeah, that's it. So that could be anywhere in Australia. Anywhere in Australia. We've got to stick one local. Hey, they're in America. We've got some of our oh, well, American. I'm happy to send absolutely. it wherever. Right, it's just posted. Yep. All right. So thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Cheers, mate. Cheers, thank Cheers. you. Thank This podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice. Fowler's Group ABN 5710524284 is an authorised representative number 230575 and credit representative number 403265 of FYG Planners Propriety Limited ABN 5509497254 Australian Financial Services and Credit Licence Number 224543